episode 152, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season 3, episode 16, Paradise Lost. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery. And once again, I have been joined not by Dandy Daniel, but by, uh, I don't have a good alliteration for Evan, but he's the one who's here. Hey everybody, it's Revan Evan David. Ooh, rhyming instead of alliteration. I did steal that from, uh, well, it's not really alliteration. It's 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 an R and then an E. I stole it from JJ the Jet Plane. Wow, that's old. Yeah, Yeah, it's not really. He was my favorite character because, not that I watched that show, but. but Name affinity, is that what we're saying here? (laughs) That's why, uh, yeah, I've always felt close to the thing because his name's Ben. Nice. What can you say? There's, there's not too many Evans floating around out there in, in pop culture. Uh, so I take what I can get. Yeah, I understand that. But you do, your name is common enough for like bookmarks and pencils, right? Sometimes, sometimes. The little spinner racks with the with the Christmas ornaments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I can find my name. Yeah. As opposed to some people who just will never, ever find their name. Like my wife, unfortunately. Yeah. Or fortunately, depending on what kind of Christmas tree ornaments you like. Yeah. yeah. I still have my Benji ornament from when I was one. My mom gave it to us to put on our tree here at home, and my kids haven't broken it yet. Nice. Yeah. I still got one that I made in second grade, I think, when I was in Sunday school, and it is pretty ugly, so I always put it at the back of the tree. Yeah, but it's up there. So that's cool. You know, one time we put, I took toilet paper and used that to fashion a robe around good old Warren Worthington III and put him on the top of our tree. So I had an angel acting as my angel on top (laughs) of our Christmas tree. So nice. Yeah, it looked good. It looked good. Uh, And that was in my fourth year of marriage. (laughs) So not when I was a child, but it still looked good. And I take all credit for how awesome it was. It, is it still up there? Oh, no. Like, no. Okay. No. no, that was a tradition that we did not continue. <laughs> uh, my wife didn't like it quite as much as I did. So, Well, it's that time of year again where, you know, the snow's fallen and... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, the... People are saying, wait a minute, aren't you talking about episode Paradise Lost and you're talking about snow? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Talk about some paradise that was lost. Yeah, like seriously, spring back guys, to winter. We're in, we're in Indiana, and it literally is snow. It's April like thirteenth, and two days ago uh, it it's was getting snowing. better. It's getting better. So, yeah. Hey, we got some news to talk about. So, oh, we do. Yeah, some actual breaking news. Almost, I think a lot of. Well, yeah, this it is from today. today. Yeah. So let's move there, and then. We'll talk about this episode, which is very interesting because it's a Hive episode. Yes. We've been needing that. I don't know if we've been waiting for it, 
but we've been needing it. So here we go. Shield intelligence report. So Evan. Yes, sir. Uh, have you seen the, the teaser for Dr. Strange? I have. I've seen the teaser. I watched it today. Because it's out there. It is. It's a thing. It's been well, released. Well, okay, I'm the guest, so uh, obviously my opinion doesn't hold as much weight as, as yours. So why don't you go ahead and uh, lift everybody's spirits with your opinion, and then I'll, I'll give my opinion, and people can ignore it if they want to. Sure. It looks like it'll be a movie with Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> and he's going to play a character called Dr. Strange. Uh, looking at this teaser, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. It's funny though, because the screen I was watching it on was so small. He looked like Christian Bale in Batman Begins. Really? Yeah. I mean, all the stuff he was doing, I'm like, this looks like Batman Begins. Cause I was looking at it on my phone. I've, I've seen it bigger since then, but it was really kind of funny cause I'm hearing his voice what little of his voice they actually used. But uh, I'm like, this, this is so weird because it looks like it's, it's Batman begins. It looks like it's Christian Bale with a beard and ragged clothing in the temples and doing the training. Yeah. That, that time that Christian Bale got displaced from his body. <laughs> okay. That didn't look like Christian Bale, but yeah, I mean, it looks like they're the, this teaser. I'm, I'm assuming that we'll, we'll get a longer trailer when we get into Captain America Civil War. But with this one-minute teaser that I guess they showed on Jimmy Kimmel and that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was there to um, introduce it and, and talk about some things. But uh, it looks like they're sticking with pretty tightly with comic book lore, with Doctor Strange, um, with the different, you know, he's up in the temples and he's learning about astral projection and and doing the hand sign things and uh, not a lot of real anything really revealed, but it's a teaser. So yeah. it, it, it did its job. I've been teased and I like Benedict Cumberbatch. So I'm ready to see it. I'm not super excited about it yet as far as like, I'm not marking my calendar or anything, but that's because there's a bunch of stuff between now and then it's November we're looking at. So well, I watched it, and I have mixed feelings. Um, as you and anybody who listens to Strangers and Aliens recently knows, I'm not a big Magic fan. So that kind of puts a wet blanket on this whole thing for me. But I am interested to see how – because as we know in the MCU, there is really no such thing as magic. It's all just science that we don't understand yet. And so I'm interested to see how they're going to MCU the whole uh, Sorcerer Supreme thing, especially uh, since what we've heard from interviews and things is that it's going to be like interdimensional stuff. Like Thor, Thor is interplanetary galactic uh, stuff. Thor is inter interdimensional. There's the nine realms and all that. Well, I always took that to mean like different parts of the universe, different parts of the galaxy. But as I but I, what I was understanding from the the interviews was that like this is different planes of existence, like all in the same vibration or a different vibrational frequency, but occupying the same space sort of thing, like uh, like they do in the Flash. Not that you've seen the Flash, but yeah, well, it's in there. I mean, we're talking about Ant Man stuff too. Like Ant Man yeah. was meant to be kind of a glimpse into 
some of the, the style of, um, I guess, universes that we'll be seeing as we're moving from place to place with, with Doctor Strange. I'm curious. The teaser doesn't give us much to latch on to, but that's okay. It's just a teaser. Yeah. Well, and so. you could see, you could even see in there some of the the different planes of reality sort of thing with the with New York on all those different levels, mm-hmm. Inception style, you know. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, we will. Speaking of something else, we'll see. They have released uh, the name of the Spider Man movie. Yes, yes, they have, Which... and the logo <laughs> for that Spider Man movie. Yeah. Uh yeah. I'm not inspired by either one. <laughs> I think that the title is just kind of odd. It just feels, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming. It's like the theme for, you know, their homecoming. It's Enchantment Under the Sea Dance or Spider-Man Homecoming. Which one are we going to do? And the student council votes. And Spider-Man Homecoming, that's what we're going to do. And they're going to put up blue and, and red streamers in the gym. And they're going to... <laughs> yeah. Um, the webs everywhere. Yeah, yeah just sell up the Halloween store. Um, yeah, it's the title seems a bit on the nose to me. Yeah, I, here's my thinking about the title. If the title really is going to end up being an accurate accurate description of this, some of the themes maybe they're playing with in the movie, like maybe it really is about Peter Parker learning about I don't know his his where he comes from and and his roots and. And uh, or maybe he really is, I mean, literally returning home that I can live with. But if they're meant to make this kind of some sort of meta textual kind of thing where Spider-Man Homecoming, he's back at Marvel or you know something like that. Like we, we got him is, back. That's totally half of what they're doing, though, for sure. Yeah, with it, that title, it is. Maybe I, I just. Again, this is something that I'm not super excited about, but part of that is just because we're so far away. We're so far away from this one. Uh, I'm excited to see him in Civil War. I'm, I'm just not ramped up for his movie. And you know this who is, else is far away? Who? The usual Marvel logo designer. <laughs> so he's he's gone somewhere because the logo for this thing that they released is so lackluster it's like i don't even know like it's like it's like they did it in photoshop like five minutes before they they released this okay. thing i mean they, they got the little the little curvy tool that they used mm-hmm. to to bow the text down a little bit yeah yeah i i do drop shadow on there i do i guess you call it amateur photoshop uh where i i create logos for things you know it's not like i'm doing it professionally but it's because we don't have money to spend on a logo, so we need to create something. And so I teach myself how to do different tricks and stuff. And so that's kind of become my my line of is it good or is it bad? And to be above the line, you have to be better than anything I can do. That means it's good. <laughs> All right. So my my whatever I do is sitting on that line between good and bad. That's, you know, and you can say that maybe I'm I'm stroking my ego or you could say that maybe, you know, you're, I'm not giving myself enough credit, but that's where I'm putting myself right there. If it's better than anything I can do, it's good. If it's worse than anything I can do, it's bad. And if it's something I can do, I, I just can't see it and look at it and say, that's really good. Because I look at that and I just think, that's something that I would have done. <laughs> yeah. Um, they got that, some bevel in there. It's it, looking 
Yeah, it doesn't scream anything about tone to me. Uh, the way that, say, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Iron Man, uh, you know, Captain America, Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. Yeah, I mean, all of those title logos that they've created really they they zing, they they zip, they sing, they say something about at least a little bit about tone. And a lot of times they represent what's come in the past. Not always. Dr. Strange totally does. Totally makes me think of classic comics. When I see the Dr. Strange logo, I don't know if it's reminiscent of any actual Dr. Strange logo, but the daredevil logo totally miscommunicates tone for me. (laughs) Yeah. But that daredevil logo is, I mean, that is the daredevil logo. Yeah. And that's kind of you know nice little, I don't know, callback, I guess. But and, and that does misrepresent tone then, because if you're going back to the original Daredevil origin stories and, and those early comics, yeah, you're not getting what we the, didn't get any bright yellow tights in that show. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. And, and thankfully, we, we didn't get any bright <laughs> yellow tights. We didn't get any of that. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the bright yellow tights were were represented by the bright black tights. <laughs> they were hot black. <laughs> so at any rate, I look at that logo and it's just it's it's one of those things where I kind of look at it and go, really? Huh? That's <laughs> the name. You know, it, it's it's kind of I give it the same face that I give Suicide Squad where I'm just really, huh? That's the third movie in your expanded universe that you're building is you're going to focus in on B list villains. Huh? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But when we watch it back in order chronologically, it won't be the third film. Just like when we go back and we watch all the star Wars films, like they're supposed to be watched in chronological order. But you know how I feel. I, we've talked about this, this before I feel it's better to watch things in the order created. Yes. And I, I'm just Example. saying this stuff because yeah. I know it gets under you, you your skin. Know. And, yeah. Because you know. you're going to make me bring up Chronicles of Narnia Trying and how you should read, read Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe before The Magician's Nephew, even though they're publishing in that order. Anyway, let's move on. Let's actually talk about this episode. We This is something that you want to talk about some out of out of order stuff, out of <laughs> chronological order. Let's Let's move into this. Okay. In fact, I think we're going to discuss it out of chronological order. Mission report. So, Evan, the episode is called Paradise Lost. Yes. Based on the title of an epic. I don't know if you – not literally epic, but um, a, a blank verse, I guess, a lengthy poem by John Milton called Paradise Lost. Are you familiar with Paradise Lost? I am. I Lost? haven't read the whole thing. But I've read some of it. Yeah, which details the fall of Satan and the fall of man uh, as Satan is cast out of heaven from his high spot as a former angel to rule over earth, to rule over hell. Um, That's where you get that famous line, better to rule in hell than serve in heaven, which is kind of that that hubris that Satan has. And then he goes about tempting Adam and Eve, getting them to sin. And and then we have the fall of man 
away from God. And John Milton was drawing on the biblical accounts and stuff there, uh, building, uh, I mean, basically writing it, not from Satan's perspective, but uh, really spending lots of time writing about Satan and his evilness and his reasoning for some of his evilness. And so, I, I mean, the, the title itself figured heavily into, I thought, we're figuring heavily into this idea of Hydra and either Hive or Malik, you know, because evil guys rising up, right? Uh, then it figured literally in. <laughs> so they're not just referencing it in the title. They're throwing it in your face. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with literary references. And this is definitely one of those literary references. I don't feel like they're being too smart for their own good. Um, I could see someone making the case for that, though, that they're trying to be too sneaky, too too uh, clever with their referencing of classic literature. But And you're going to have to help me out here, Ben, uh, during, during our discussion, because I didn't see too much correlation between the the title of the episode and what actually went on in the episode uh besides the actual book paradise lost being being in the episode i i think that they're referencing not plot points so to speak with you know the fall and that kind of thing right um you think more like the the general tone or the theme yeah i mean there's there's certain things we could play with you know if we're looking at the malik situation where uh his brother is getting cast out by, mm. by being sent as a traveler. Um, there there could possibly be a, a reference there, but I think it really is more that, um, it, to me, the way I was taking it and, the, and the, the vibe that I'm getting is Hive has been now, has been brought to Earth, right? Mm-hmm. He's been pulled from another world. He's, he's been brought to Earth. He hasn't been cast down. He hasn't been taken from a high place and thrown down to what would be considered a low place where he is below where he used to be, but he rules now. That's not exactly the case, although maybe you can make that case. But he has been brought in and he is like the introduction of Lucifer to the world where it's going to bring the fall of many things. You did get – some reminiscent imagery there with the story of his origin where he rose up against the Cree mm-hmm. and led. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that dark army against them. And well, so, I mean, yeah. and that, again, going back to the story of, of Satan, um, that's what, that's what the Bible teaches is that, uh, there's, there's a passage in, Oh man, I can't remember now. It's in Isaiah and Ezekiel. I think, uh, I don't know if it's in both, but it talks about Satan or talks about the, the, this bright morning star who rose up with one third of heaven against the rest and got cast out into the low place. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, you could, yeah, I think there, I, I definitely feel like by calling this paradise lost, they are calling out and and hanging a lampshade on hive is evil. And, He is going to cause lots of problems for the world. Uh, and how do we know that? Because we are referencing something where you had this like great evil and he caused lots of problems for the world. Which, yeah, if you look at the biblical account, yes, Satan caused lots of problems for us. 
Oh, yeah. As a species in general. Actually, all the problems. <laughs> all the problems there are. And, and so I think I, I think that's the reference that they're building on here is is Hive is a Satan figure. And and almost I mean any sacrificial hero figure is going to be a Christ figure and mm. any any ruling evil figure is going to be a satanic uh, figure. And I mean they're just hanging a lampshade on their their metaphor here. So and then I was surprised that they actually had like the book is there. Yeah. The book is being read, no less. So two different copies of the book. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but then the book is a plot point for that storyline. That's yes. the th- uh, we're spending a lot of time here. That's actually the third storyline I wanted to mess with. I wanted to start with the Coulson stuff. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, we'll come back to this then. All right. So we'll 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 come back to this because that yeah, that those are important details, but I I wanted to Start with Coulson, start small, and then build our way up uh, in importance here. But actually, a lot of the Coulson stuff has to do with with Hive too. Uh, in a distant way, it's more with TV Magneto. It is, it is. But with with Coulson, here's their. Coulson is actually starting out also the Link and Daisy story, but Coulson is dealing with the fallout of seeing ward Mm. and Fitz knows what hive is i mean he doesn't know exactly what hive is but he knows that's not ward and he suspects that that's the same thing that was you know taking over the astronaut in in that other world and so he thinks this is the something else this is the something else that maybe malik was looking for um so colson sends daisy and lincoln on a mission to uh, see an inhuman. And then the rest of them go to <laughs> a, a industrial complex that is dealing with agricultural materials and experiments and stuff like that. <laughs> and so we start our pretty boring subplot of we are going to go <laughs> and investigate uh, a place that is what? Experimenting on grain, you know, and, and those well, kind of things. Yeah, and bugs and... Yeah. No, it does get a little creepy. Uh, I say it's boring. It sounds boring as you're talking about it. Like, oh, an industrial complex that deals just with agricultural science. But but on their way there, they are looking into and experimenting um, with one of the bodies from... Yeah. From the... uh, the major death scene from last episode. And we're starting to learn why he's called hive because, because he's made up of, they suspect all these, all those little microscopic sand thingies that mm-hmm. eat people. These organisms, it's just him. These organisms that eat living flesh. They were talking about, does he control them? And then they started thinking, well, uh, it's maybe that he doesn't control them. It, he is them. And then they also realize that, indeed, TV Magneto is going to be there. So they go, they investigate, they find dead moths. But they also realize that pretty much, you know, the stuff that they were interested in. Because Hive had Malik buy out this company, not because of what you would expect. something that they'd that, have a weapon. Yeah, that they would have something that they 
wanted, but more it was they had something that they wanted destroyed. Because and they so were it's... researching uh, hive hive minds, basically, <laughs> for insects and stuff like that. So ways to stop them, correct? Yeah, yeah. For, so For being like plagues on agriculture, things like that. Yeah, so they were looking at how wasn't it like flocks of birds and and swarms of insects it seemed like right and colson scoffs at birds they're not scary <laughs> he's not he has to have see he's seen that movie yeah <laughs> colson has seen the birds he's seen it we know he's seen it because we've seen it and and colson is us i haven't seen it you haven't seen it i tried ben one, there was one weekend we all got it in our heads. Let's watch the birds. Let's do this thing, and we tried renting it on like the iTunes store. We could not get it to download. Oh, and, okay. So that kind of tried. I thought you were going to say that you tried and then couldn't no, finish like, it. I wanted to watch this thing, and and I could not. Fair enough. Fair enough. But Colson's seen it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a fair assumption. Yeah, he's up there back in the day when he was on the bus. He didn't have trouble with Netflix or renting from Amazon Prime or whatever. He's seen it. Anyway, by observing how these things work, the the studying that they were doing, I think potentially is is studying that could then um help help to stop some some of the things that Hive wants to do. Yep. And so and, what they're gonna do is they're gonna take this research. And they are going to build a gun out of it and give that gun <laughs> to Lash. And then Lash is going to be the one to take him out. Because like I said before in my prediction. Yes. Lash is going to be the one. He's the balance to take out Hive. So whatever they do, they're going to give to Lash. And Lash is going to be the one to take him out. Time I'm will calling tell. It. Calling it. Time April will tell. April 13th. I know what they're not doing. They're not giving it to Graviton. <laughs> Where is he? We want him back. Not. So they were, they're just, oh, it wasn't just hive mind. It was the migration habits of invasive species. That's what it was. And hive himself is an invasive species. Mm. Uh, so they destroyed the evidence, but then Colson does a lot more struggling with what he did. And there's some fun stuff here where he's talking about what he did. To, you know, I expected it to come back and haunt me. I just didn't expect it to come back and haunt me. Yeah. Where he's seeing the the, the image of the, the man that he he killed. Um, but you get into some interesting thoughts about like not just what you do, but why you do it. Right. You know, he's he is struggling. Not with the what. The what was to stop Ward. Yeah, because Fitz is like, what other option was there, yeah. Colson? And he's like, it's not about that. Yeah, it's the why. It's why he did it when he was in the heat of the moment. It was not, I'm going to kill him to stop him. It was, I'm going to kill him apparently revenge. as revenge. Yeah. Yep. Uh, because you've done some really bad things and I don't want you around anymore. Ever. It's... Kirk kick kicking the Klingon off the, the cliff. Just I've had enough of you. Uh it's it's the why. 
And yeah, they, they promised us that we were going to see a more, I don't know, haunted wasn't the word that they used when they were talking about what we were going to see with, with Coulson, but they did promise us some darker things where he's going to be struggling with this. I'm actually happy with how much he's struggling and the way he's struggling. Yes, me too. I, I don't feel like it's overwrought. I don't feel like it's out of character. And I, I don't feel like it's trying to give us something new with his character. And I I like this because in, in the past couple episodes where, we, where we've seen him struggle, it doesn't seem like it's... This seems kind of like a, a repentant struggle that he's got going on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and in the previous ones, it's been more like a, I did what I had to do. I don't care. I'm just going to stuff it deep down and, and yeah. deal with it. Yeah, the, yeah. the struggle – yeah, you're, you're exactly right. The struggle for a lot of characters has been I'm going to take this and repress it mm. and push it away. And – I feel like the struggle that he has right now is I'm going to deal with this. Yes. I'm going to work I, through this. Yeah. Cause it's, it's on his conscience and he needs to have that clear conscience to do his job the way he, he needs to be able to. And I, that's one thing I admire about Coulson as a, as a character is he's, he's seeking to do the right thing, even when it's hard and even when it's his own personal journey and not just the, the journey of his team. Yeah. I like it. So while they're investigating, TV Magneto comes and they've talked about his powers. His power is over inorganic material only, which leads to a couple cool moments later on. Now, is it metal? And it's, well, no, it's not just metal. It's, it, it's, it's inorganic. That they, okay. they specifically call out it's inorganic material, which would mean, I guess, like cotton would be out of the question, but polyester <laughs> would be okay. And so iron in your blood? I don't think so. I, it's still organic. So he's he's TV Magneto, though. You know, he's not able to sort through all the stuff that movie Magneto or comic book Magneto, where you have a bigger budget or don't even need a budget because you can just do whatever you want. It's TV Magneto. So what? What? And what is his real name? Guy? Guy? I don't know. I'm actually glad we can call him TV Magneto because I can't pronounce his name. Geyer? Geyer? Something like that. Um, it, oh, and subtitles even that doesn't help much. It's, it's weird spelling too, but, um, he comes in, they know it's inorganic material and they were talking about line of sight and I'm not exactly sure what that mean, uh, because they were putting him in, well, later when they caught him, they put him in that cell where he could see things, but, but it's behind the cell. And how did he get the the seatbelt buckle while he was going in there? I have to assume that he did. I'm not sure, uh, but yeah, because the other thing that happened was when he was waking up, a couple things started levitating, and that's how yeah. they knew he was waking up. So like, get out of there, get out of there. Uh, and the seatbelt buckle was not in the cell, and he couldn't see it because he was unconscious. At least the one that they focused on. Right. Um, there might have been something else inside there. But anyway, th- that scene, it, I, I wasn't able to quite follow what, what he was able to actually do or not do. But the scene where he comes, he does a little f- short fight with Coulson, which was kind of fun. Uh, yeah, where he freezes his hand. Well, 
even before that, where he has a short fight with Coulson. Coulson runs oh, yes. and leads him into the, the white room. And he has this really intensely choreographed fight with May because this guy's special ops or right. black ops or something like that. I mean, he's been trained to fight, but since his powers have been activated, he doesn't have to get his hands dirty and doesn't want to get his hands dirty. So he uses things with his mind. But he's okay with getting his hands dirty with May. And this is a pretty intense fight. And then the other thing with the fight was, did you see, did you notice that room? Basically, they put something on each wall so you're able to follow where they were. And it wasn't just this white room, but they right. had the white wall. They had the windowed wall. They had the wall with the door and they had the wall with this grating on it. This kind of black grating. With uh, a camera guy behind it. Well, yeah, because, I mean, the door, the window, and that grating will make it easier to maneuver cameras and stuff. But as I'm watching it, I'm just thinking to myself, this is amazing because I can totally, like, I know where they are. This, this is good geography in storytelling. And that's a it's a phrase that um, a friend of mine and I used to use when we were talking about writing and, and making sure you knew your geography for, you know, not not your states and, and capitals, which I still don't know, but <laughs> um, I grew up in Canada. That's, that's my, my defense is up until third grade, I was in Canada. So, but I don't know nice. the provinces. I don't know those provinces and, and, and capitals either. So I have no excuse. I'll, I'll just have to, to cop to it. But uh, geography and storytelling is where you know exactly what your scene looks like and where your, your scene takes place. And so the, the geography of the room and or the geography of the the alley that you're in or the, the geography of the building. In this case, they have a nice geography of this this room where they able to, they're able to swing the cameras around. They're able to have the characters be flipping all over the place. And when you cut from one camera angle to the next, you're able to see, you know, there's 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 dynamic movement. And this is this is really good filmmaking, really good choreography. And an awesome opportunity for Agent May to shine. Yes. I mean, this is Agent May off the bus, if you ever saw it. <laughs> and she played dirty. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, and it, why not? Hurt. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's no rules. Exactly. Um, when you're fighting I, TV Magneto in the white room, the rules are there are no rules. I appreciated the uh, the the landmarks in the room as well, uh, for maybe a different reason. My I have the brightness on my television turned up uh, because I have an old TV and it just it needs that, and so it looks like you know their little their cutouts on this completely white background. There's like you can't <laughs> see any shadows, so the the uh, the extra landmarks on the walls really help them not look like figures on a piece of paper. <laughs> So, so they take down TV Magneto and they bring him in unconscious and I'm watching them bring him in unconscious. And I'm thinking to myself, that's not good. That's not good at all. There's nothing keeping him unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, this is not good planning. You know, they're going to put him in that room and they're talking about line of sight, but then it almost felt like. It was all, I mean, because Max talking to him from from behind the window, he can see all sorts of things. 
But is it that there's you know something in between him and the thing that he needs to control? And so this is where the power breakdown comes. Well, hold on. That was an interesting conversation with Mac also. And I think we see just how bought in this guy is to Hive's propaganda. Now, assuming he's bought in and not mind control. We still don't know what happened to him. That's true. And again, that that I want to know. I want to see what, what happened to him. It is a good conversation. It is a good conversation because he's talking... I mean, he's talking about what Hive is going to do in terms of this is actually, if not morally good, it's the right thing to do for the human race, for the human race. This is, uh, you know, survival of the race in the best way possible. And he's done it for us or he's going to do it for us. Uh, he, you're exactly right. He's bought in. He is, he is a true believer. Now, if it's mind control or not, we can discuss, but his actions now, his feelings now, he's a true believer. Now, Hive did the, the, the dusty finger stuff to him, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay, so. But he's an inhuman, he's so. Dead. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it is mind control, who knows? Yeah, because it's still not quite sure for me is is Hive creating a Hive mind? Is uh, TV Magneto just another element of Hive now? If you're talking about those things aren't controlled by Hive, those organisms are Hive, what does it mean? Or was he just showing a display of power? And, and yeah. you know, because that that whole thing happened... And TV Magneto was just like, I don't really believe, you know, I'll believe it when I see it, but there's nothing to see here. And then, oh, poop, there's something to see here. So then everything goes wrong. <laughs> and I don't know how I feel about this because TV Magneto, Gair or whatever his name is, he takes over the Zephyr super quick super quick and super easy. Now, granted, he is a super powered being, but all of a sudden, I mean, he's able to run through the whole thing. I mean, he takes away their guns. Coulson can't fight him. Oh, that, that was cool. Now I do love that element of, you know, he can't control organic material, but Coulson's hand is not organic. As we know from him clenching his fist as he's struggling with his inner demons, and you can see the little like circuitry, the you know, lighting up inside his the top of his hand, and then you can see a glow coming from within yeah. the palm of his hand. And that's what I was wondering. Like, come on, Colson, use the repulsor ray. Exactly. <laughs> he didn't do it. Ah, maybe they're saving it for the season finale. Maybe, maybe, but we'll see. Maybe it'll be that tag scene, like when he uh, finally realized how the weapon worked, and when he when he took care of. Uh, Oh, why can't I remember his name now? I don't even know what you're referring to. Oh, the 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 season finale where he. Oh man. Oh, oh Garrett, where Garrett. he shoots him. Yes, yeah. where he shoots yeah. Garrett. He's like, oh, that's over. You know, yeah. maybe maybe a tag scene like that where he's like, oh, hey, by the way, zoop, I got lasers in my fingers. That would be sweet. Yeah. 
And then Robert Downey Jr. walks in. <laughs> Says, hey, oh, you stole my shtick. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so he takes, he, he, he breezes through the team. He's able to use the environment to his advantage because he can use his powers. He's not stuck in that room with May, which was an awesome trap. Uh, but this is definitely one of those situations where it's, it's the whole, you know, I'm not stuck in here with you. You're stuck in here with me. Well, he takes the whole plane down. But then he takes control of the controls of the plane. Now, does he have line of sight here? I don't know, but apparently they're right above the place he wants them to be because he makes them land in like a Hydra, uh, landing platform. Can we be sure that it's Hydra? There was not a giant octopus painted on it. We can't be sure it was Hydra, but it comes down. The door opens and he lands it perfectly. Does he activate the thrusters? It seems to me that that's what he was doing. Mm. He was convenient. No, he was like pushing against the, the controls then activating the thrusters. And he was also pushing against the, the joystick or whatever, uh, to make them go into that dive. It just, this didn't feel for as much as I like the stuff that was going on in the rest of these episode. When you get to this point, it's just kind of a wait, what? It's a stretch. It takes us to the place the writers wanted us to get to. Hydra now has the team, except for Daisy and Lincoln. Great. You know, the, that that's that's a terrible cliffhanger for us to end on. When I say terrible, I mean that in the best way. Like, it's bad. It's bad for the situation. But, oh, come on, you know. Oh yeah, that's right. Because that's where that's where we end this part of the story, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, they reach out to try and call Daisy and get help. That's right. So the escape, I was okay with. The capture of the whole team, I would have been more okay with it if he had like knocked out everyone, you know, won a battle on this plane with everybody, and then just flew it to where he wanted to go. Yeah, this whole episode. I wasn't the biggest fan uh, just because it seemed like it's a, it's a giant setup for the next episode, which it is. Yeah. I mean, they do have some, there is some meat that we're going to get to, but for the most part, it seemed like setup. Absolutely. The episode, this, this part was setup and exposition and it just uh, if they had just taken a half turn on what they were doing, I would have been far more likely to, to want to run with it where it was going. Um, as it is, it's set up for us to go into next week and we'll get some cool action. It sounds like because there's going to be a rescue. I mean, Daisy's gotten the message. She's talking to Lincoln. We'll get to what they talk about, but it's basically we need to go and rescue our friends. So. Speaking of Daisy and Lincoln. Well, let's get to it. All right. So they get a mission from Coulson to go find the guy who used to be part of, uh, what do you call it? The uh, Afterlife. Afterlife. I was going to say hereafter. Yeah. They, uh, they, he used to be there and he stole, so he tried to steal some files from Jaying and uh, he was ranting and raving about Hive. Well, so he's he was the, ranting the and raving about vague prophetic type sounding things that could describe hive. 
Right. The second coming of an all-powerful dude. Yeah. Who's and gonna save the Inhumans. So he found information, and so they are going to go find him because he supposedly has this information that will help them with Hive. And so <laughs> they go to him. His name's James. That's all I, I like got. Him. I, I didn't catch everything, but I, I got the James. And <laughs> he, uh, he's a he's a paranoid lunatic. Well, you're only paranoid if, if it's you're not wrong. true. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's actually a really smart, cautious man who is living in a trailer with landmines surrounding it and a barbed wire fence to protect him from this all-powerful and human guy. And who wanted to be exposed to Terrigen. He wanted to have inhuman powers activated within him. Jiang said no. And so he's pretty bitter about this. He is, even though he's slightly attracted to Jiang. <laughs> which was kind of creepy. <laughs> Especially for Sky. I mean, yeah, dude, that's my mom, right? Yeah. He doesn't know that, though. <laughs> uh, and so that's the thing. Lincoln tells tells Daisy, don't use your powers. You know, we're going to talk to this guy. We need to not be aggressive. <laughs> and so the first thing that they do is they talk. They go in, even though he tells them not to. He says, don't take another step. Daisy takes another step and steps on a landmine. <laughs> Which means I told you not to take one more step. Yeah, that's a great line too. Yeah. I mean, it was it was good, but this means powers are going to get used, and so they use powers, and then she uses her powers to activate all the landmines, and then he uses his powers. Lincoln does to blow the guy back against his house and knock him out cold. So, you know, basically. It would be fair to say they went into aggressive negotiations at this point. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Their plan went south. It definitely did not go well for them. Uh, so he wakes up and basically comes down to this. You have what we want. We have what you want. They want and that, answers. And Lincoln. Is that a crystal? Well, that's what it seems to be. Okay. That's and here's the cool. thing, though. Th this is in their favor. The guy is completely off the grid. Or he would have known by now. If he was one of the, you know, kind of the internet conspiracy theory paranoid lunatics, he would know by now that the fish oil gives people powers. Right. Fortunately for them, he doesn't know this because they're able to barter with him and say, you can touch this crystal if you tell us what we want to know. He's the type of guy who keeps long lost historical artifacts in his fridge, <laughs> even though they probably don't need to be cold. So let's talk about what he gives Lincoln. He gives Lincoln information about um, what, it, uh, what was the name that it was? It's not Hive, Hive. but it, it is about Hive. Oh, Alvius. He gives him the map to treasure Alvius. planet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he gives them the Cree alien thingamajig. The map to treasure planet. Yeah. yeah. And well, let's talk about that, though. Well, you twist the thing. You look at the giant hologram comes out. 
It but, shows you where to find the planet with all of the, you know, Captain Flynn's horde. Yeah. A trove of a thousand worlds. A good enough movie for me to watch once and want to watch again, but not get around to. <laughs> uh, same with Atlantis. Oh, all right. Well, not, let's not get into this because I could talk forever about that. <laughs> we, we, we should. We need to talk about this thing because you know what that looks like? You know what it reminds me of when you see this ball with those with the designs that go all around it? That reminds me of Doctor Strange and some of the imagery they're using for mm. some of the symbology stuff that they have for Doctor Strange. In and the words of Dandy Daniel Butcher, symmetry, not symmetry, synergy. Synergy. <laughs> totally messed that up. <laughs> it's all connected. It is. It's all connected. So, yeah, uh, I, I think there is an element of, of synergy happening here. Uh, and why not? I mean, they try and tie in with the big movie that's coming. I don't know how, I don't know how they're going to tie into civil war at this point, but they might, in some ways it might be just best for them to just keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. If it's anything like the Ultron tie in, it could be really lame. Well, the, the the post Ultron tie in wasn't lame, but the pre Ultron tie in where, uh, what's her name? Future seeing Spiky Girl. Uh huh. Yeah, she she sees the future and totally gets it wrong. Well, well she well, just it's what happens when you just see the trailer, you know. Yeah. Uh, I've seen this trailer. I think the movie is going to be like this, but they only showed us the best bits, and those were out of context. So, you know, what what do you do? Well, she got it wrong, so they killed her in the very next episode. <laughs> yeah, but the the tie-in with the the helicarrier, I liked that. That was pretty. Yeah, cool. that was good. After they saw the movie, mm-hmm. they decided to write that in, in the last minute. Possibly, <laughs> there might have been a little bit of synergy going on there. I hope there is. I hope there's more. The right hand and the left hand, so to speak. But yeah, so they get a little bit of information about the background of this powerful being. And they get a thingamajig. And then when they do the handoff, Lincoln lied. Yeah. He's not going to give powers to that guy. And so James has one last gift for Daisy. The gift of the truth. The gift of enough of the truth to really force Lincoln to either keep it secret or say it with his own mouth what had happened in his past. Mm. And he says, men like him don't change, which that's a constant theme here in agents of shield where we've, we've got, we've got hive on this show, you know, uh, change happens. The question is what, what direction is change going to happen in? And that's why you have Colson. Who's, who's trying to deal with the person that he is and, and reconcile that. But, uh, yeah, so then they go and decide, oh, hey, our friends have been captured by TV Magneto. We need to get TV X-Men. And let's do it. And Daisy says, no. But Lincoln says, do it. And Daisy says, okay. Uh, and they have a nice heart-to-heart conversation. In Shall we talk about the secret? The secret? The secret. The se- his secret? His Secret. Because sure. I thought it was worse 
than it was going to be. They did a good job of neutering it enough that it was something terrible, but it wasn't something awful. So you mean you thought it was worse than what it actually is? I thought it should have been worse. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be worse. Yep. Uh, Because James is talking about him accidentally killing or coming close to killing, killing. almost killing his girlfriend, making it sound like a a murder type situation or an abuse. Well, then he starts telling a story and I'm like, wow, this is really going there where it's a, it's a story of addiction and Mm -hmm. it's a story of addiction and a person who loves him, who's trying to help him to not be addicted, but he's, he's a, he's dealing with addiction and anger and these two things, you know, feed into each other, especially on this one night and they end up in the car together. She get, He gets in the car. She gets in with him. They drive away and they end up, the car gets wrapped around a tree. Now, he has done something terrible. He has done something wrong. And it was done in anger. So all these elements here are good elements they've built up for this character moment at this point. But in my mind, I'm thinking, did he lash out with his powers? What was what what happened? This is before we find out about the car accident. I thought it was him doing something far more active. Mm -hmm. This is almost a passive thing. He got in the car. She got in with him. He started to drive again. Really poor decision making here. Right. But that's what happens when you're an alcoholic who's drunk and and driving is the the only reason you're driving is you made a poor decision just to get in the the seat in the first place. And the alcohol is fed into that. So I thought it was going to be a more active thing that he did. Uh, Maybe some sort of abuse, domestic abuse type of thing, which once they did the car accident, I realized they they couldn't have gone in that direction and, and made him be a character that we wanted to see Daisy with. Um, I, I, I still don't want to see her with him, but, but not because, probably... but not because of this. Right. Exactly. I, I've not, I've never been a fan of, of Lincoln's character. And even though they, they keep piling on this, uh, this backstory for him and character development, I, I, I still don't really connect with him much at all. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I thought it was going to be something worse that he had done. Uh, but but the way they've done it, I mean, not that you can't be redeemed from even the worst things, uh, but it, it's it's an easier redemption for him. Yes. In this relationship also. Yeah. And he is still dealing with things that caused him to have done that. Now, I mean, I think the alcoholism is pretty much under under control, but he still has that simmering anger. That he has to deal with. And and so that's good. I mean, that gives us something for him to do and for his a way for his character to develop. But um, yeah. So now they're going to go and summon the secret Avengers. And this is where the whole plane thing led us to this point, which is going to lead us into obviously next episode because – it's basically they, they didn't quite turn to the camera and say, hey, we're going to get the Secret Avengers because we talked about this a few episodes ago. It's going to happen next episode. <laughs> but pretty much that's what they're doing is you, this is why you did this, Daisy, is for a situation like this. And if it just hadn't have ended, if, if the plane, 
if the the takeover of the Zephyr hadn't ended the way it did, where he just zoomed down right where they're going to crash and the doors open just in time for him to fly in as if that was his plan all along. Right. Uh, which maybe it was, maybe we'll find out next episode that it was, uh, I'd be, I'd be more accepting of that, but it, it, uh, if, if that hadn't happened that way, I would have been more pumped when they're like, we're going to call in the secret warriors because yeah, but we come right off of this whole, Oh, what? What's going on? Oh, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's it wasn't the fist pump moment for me that it it could have been or maybe should have been right. It's Lois Lane. We need you to come with us on this alien spaceship. Also, (laughs) why? Um, just come. And now that you're here, Superman has a reason to be here. Yes. And and, and now that you're here, we we can have you bust out Superman (laughs) with Jarrell's help. And you just be wherever the plot needs you to be, Lois. Okay. I will. So, Sorry, another DC reference. This is a Marvel podcast. Marvel, 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 Marvel. Well, let's really get Marvel here. All right. Okay. Because we're going to look at Malik's backstory. Now we're going to look at his plot line here, Malik and Hive. And we start off this episode at it's 1970. And the first thing I see where, the, where we are and I just the first thing that pops in my head is this looks like Xavier's school for for gifted yeah. <laughs> youngsters. See, I, I thought of like it's Bruce Wayne's funeral, but it's DC Marvel. Marvel. Oh, man. It's Marvel. Wow. You 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 have an infection. <gasps> you have Once an infection, high, my friend. Man. Yeah. So we, we get some backstory here. Uh, Gideon and Nathaniel, the two Malik brothers, uh, their father has just died. And they have been summoned to go and see Whitehall. Uh, Whoa, wait, what? Daniel Whitehall? (laughs) Yeah, now their father never believed in Whitehall's Hydra. But now that their father is dead, Whitehall is going to make a play on them. So we go from that flashback to Malik coming home to his daughter. Can I ask you something? One more, one more thing about about the Whitehall thing. Sure. All right. So he, obviously he's a guest star for this. It's a nice callback. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's coming back anymore? He might. Was it just a one time flashback? Let's bring you back for the flashback. I I think they might bring him back to do just a touch more talking about the ideology of Hydra in the past. Mm. I, I think maybe. I don't know exactly. Because I I was thinking when this came on, like ever since learning all about the entertainment industry and, you know, it's, it's kind of taken the magic out of, out of things like this where, you know, if if you're just the the casual viewer, but you've watched all the episodes of agents of shield and you see this, you know, nothing about, you know, how Hollywood works. You're just thinking, Oh, this is, this is cool. He's back, you know, but then, but then once you learn, you know, how everything works, you're like, oh, they, they hired him to be a guest star. Yeah, no, but know. that's how they do it. Like, I know. I, I know. But it's, a, it's the guy's it's job. Like ignorance is bliss. It's kind of like it's way cooler when you don't know that. Um, I, I, I think it's still cool. They brought back the it actual is cool. Guy. It's just not as cool. OK. All right. Fine. I don't know. So the daughter and Malik talk and. Malik is upset, but, you know, he, then he finds out that Hive has asked Stephanie 
to summon the inner circle. Uh, and Hive then reveals, yeah, because it's time to reveal my true self. And what's that supposed to mean? Who knows? We'll find out, obviously. But um, Malik talks about his vision of his death. He believes it's Hive who did this. I look at that vision, though. The first thing I wrote down was Malik's vision of the future, his death, not Hive, though. And then I put a question mark like it's not Hive because it does not look like the way Hive took care of other people. Right. It looks it's, something uh, different. He's bleeding from the forehead. Yeah, but, but and he's in this kind of weird room. I, I, but he's he's scared. But he it almost looks like, uh, you know, he's being aged quickly or something. I didn't even see anything going on with his skin. I, I just his face was kind of drawing in. Okay, his skin was not being torn away like the way you've seen it with the other victims of Hive. But but he's convinced it is Hive. And he talks about he's he's he was being torn apart from the inside out. And it was horrible, horrible pain. So I, I don't know. I'm not convinced it is Hive that killed him. Right. We don't I'm see just... Hive doing it. But he was looking up. So maybe he did see Hive doing it. I don't know. I'm trying to think of who we know from the show already who has a, a power like that. It seems like there is somebody, but I can't can't think of it. Yeah, I'm not sure. So then we go uh, in this storyline, we go back to another flashback and that's where the Malik brothers actually visit Whitehall. And he talks about how they must choose, you know, the, the path that they're going to take, I guess, uh, the fa their family's ancient religious Hydra path that their father, you know, he was a quote, true believer the way they saw it. And they talk about being a chosen, being a traveler is a great honor and then Whitehall is trying to tell them, you know what? Your father wasn't what you thought he was. You know what, Ben? What? Ja Ying had that power to suck the youth out of people. Mm. Now, does that mean she's huh. coming back? I don't know. Or since we've had the mysterious Daniel Whitehall guest star, is he really dead? And since he has Ja Ying's organs in him does he have that same power that would be interesting because mm. i can't believe that they just brought him back for a less than three minute cameo well but he's he's an important presence in the past he is so i i can believe that but okay um he tells well, them to look in a book he tells them to look in paradise lost because his father, their father would not leave to fate what he could decide for himself. And he was not the true believer that they thought he was. But he's raised them to be a true believer. He's raised them to believe in all this stuff with the the traveler and sending them through the door and you know choosing the stones and all that kind of stuff. But we come back from that and Malik is scared of Hive. And he talks with Stephanie. It makes sense for him to kill me. And she tells him, Malik's don't just wait around. They roll up their sleeves and they get the job done. And so he goes and talks to Hive. And this is where the episode gets interesting for me, is in this subplot, as they kind of peel away the layers of the past, like an onion. 
where you see this one thing and then this is, I mean, this is good writing to me. You see one thing, but then you see another thing that gives it a whole new meaning. I and, agree. Uh, so, I thought it was, I thought this was the most interesting part of the episode was, was the interchange between Malik and, and hive and the daughter throughout the whole, their whole arc. Yeah. So this short little conversation here, uh, hive talks about Stephanie being a true believer. And Malik talks about, I tried to raise her right. And so you're getting these mirror images of the past. Their own father raised them right. You know, raised them to be this this true believer idea. Um, and then you start to see, and, and there's more meaning in this in later scenes than what you realize right now. But he asks Hive, how much do you remember? And Hive says, why is there something you'd like to ask me? And the, the inter the, the exchange here is you can tell it's important, but in my mind, it's okay. It's something about Ward. Hmm. It's something about the planet. You know, it's, it's something about, you know, just curiosity in general. And then Ward picks up a stone and throws it or hive rather throws it into the pond. And I'm in, in my mind, I'm just like kind of sorting through, Ooh, there's, they're doing this with some sort of metaphorical symbolism of the pond and the ripples and the ripple effect. And Malik has done something that caused some ripples or something like that. Oh, no, no, it's pretty blatant. What the stone is meant to represent later on. Uh, I was putting way too much stock on metaphorical symbolism. And see, I when when he was uh, when he was asking the question, you know, and and uh, Hive responds, you know, why is there something you'd like to ask me? I wasn't thinking, I wasn't thinking word. I was thinking that it it could have because he asked him, you know, do you retain the memories of everybody mm-hmm. that you've hosted? So I I assumed it had something to do with one of them. I just did not put two and two together until you know they shoved it in my face. Yeah. Well. Let's talk about getting shoved in the face. I mean, they, everything falls down around the Malik brothers in the past because Nathaniel went to Paradise Lost, opened the book, found a hollowed out section of pages where there was a stone with a groove in it. And this stone then could be used to cheat the bag of stones so that he would never ever pick that stone he would know it by touch and wouldn't pick the white stone and the white stone is the one that sends you through the door as the traveler and so nathaniel realizes you know dad was afraid to be the traveler he was a cheater and so uh, malik promises we'll be better men and And then that's where he throws the white stone into the pond and they're standing in the same places where Hive and Malik were standing Mm. when Matt, when Hive threw threw it in. And then that's where I write down, you know, how much do you remember? Because no. Okay. So now, now it's starting to come together. You totally got it before I did. Okay. Well, it was no. I I don't know if I had every detail, but I, it was coming together, and I was kind of predicting where is this going, and it was that he was going to use that stone, 
you know, he, he didn't throw it because that's at the beginning with Whitehall, sleight of hand. Yep. You know, and, and that's okay. So Malakir, he, it was sleight of hand. They had that stone with the groove, but he threw a different stone. And so then from that, we go back into the present day with the inner circle and it's not a, it's not a stone ceremony. They're not sending anyone through the door. They don't need to anymore because the Hydra God is here. And I, I really kind of liked that description, uh, the, that moniker, the Hydra God. I, again, That's, it's what who he is to them. I mean, they worship right. him. Yeah. And it is kind of that, that hubris, that pride, that satanic pride. Yeah. That, that comes from the, the, the paradise lost. Um, and some people, have problems with paradise lost because they feel like it's turning the devil into a hero by giving him understandable and relatable motivations. <laughs> but he's still in paradise lost. It is that pride that goes before the fall You know, is that is definitely there. And I never get the impression that John Milton intended uh, the Satan character to be the heroic character it, within that. But no, um, that's, that's my, my impression, but, uh, yeah. And so they recognize him as war. Yeah. yeah. The way he <laughs> says it, <laughs> the way he says it, it, it's almost exactly like you said, it, yeah. it just, it just cracked me up the way he said, you're a great ward. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But then. I was like, let me show you the power. And you're thinking, oh, this is it. Malik's going down. But no, he's just, he, he turns into tentacle head man. Hydra head? <laughs> he turns into Hydra head. He is octopus head man. <laughs> he is the head of Hydra. Literally. And what's kind of cool is that goes back into the, the, char- the comic book look of the character. See, I don't even know what he looks like in the comics. Oh, did I show you that hero clicks? No. Oh, uh, maybe I, I think did. you did. But I, I did. Don't I did because I was showing it. I had the hide, uh, the hide, the hive, hero clicks, and, and the the ward one. And I I had them both together, and I was oh. like, hey, check yeah, it out. I've just looked up a picture, and yeah, you're right. That is straight out of the comics. Looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Now they don't give us a frontward view, a forward view. We just get the back view, but that's okay. You know, they can't reveal everything. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think it's a sweet look, honestly. I mean, it's it's Kit Fisto. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it really is a physical manifestation of Hydra. And in the context of the comics, I, I think he was kind of created. I, I don't know. This is my impression would be that he was he was created to be, you know, to look like Hydra. Hmm. But in the context of the show, the Hydra symbol would have come from what this guy looks like. Yeah, which is <laughs> that's great, honestly. So he does not kill Malik, not yet. You know, I mean, even though Malik kind of was just going into this ready to face his death, but it did not happen. It did not happen. No. So moving on from there. Oh, this is where. 
Yeah, Hive. He he likes Stephanie, and he's already revealed this a few times. He has given Stephanie a copy of Paradise Lost, and so now Malik knows the score. <laughs> he knows that his brother is in Hive. He knows that those memories. It's interesting because it's hard to tell if Hive is doing what he's doing here because he remembers and wants revenge or if it really is just completely practical. Yes. And as we continue with this scene, it's it it feels like it's flip flopping. Like he's he's. It's like he's switching out who's running the body almost. Yeah, yeah. Because he 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 switches like in how he refers to himself. Yeah. He starts he starts yeah. saying like you betrayed me. And there's a moment where then Malik says Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. And then that conversation kind of proceeds. Malik feels as if he's talking to his brother. And the conversation goes as if he's talking to his brother, which is very interesting. Um because it, you know this is going to happen between Coulson and Ward. Well, we see in the flashback where his brother said, I thought we had a deal as he's being (laughs) escorted to the door because he's going through. And Hive uses that language. He says, I thought we had a deal. And then they get into this conversation about sacrifice. And this is where I was a little bit ahead of of the, the show. I, I don't think I'm particularly clever for being ahead of the show, but this is where as soon as this scene was starting and as soon as he said the word sacrifice, I knew Malik was not dying. Stephanie was going. I didn't. I didn't catch it at all. Oh, not until it happened. As soon as he said the word sacrifice, I'm like, oh, this is this is a lesson. This is not revenge against Malik. This is a lesson to Malik. You know, you're, he's he's having this great thing in his life. The one great thing in his life. This is Chekhov's daughter. Okay. So <laughs> she hasn't done much other than support her father and smile with him and encourage him. Uh, she shows up in the tag scene a few episodes ago and it's just kind of, what is she there for? Well, this is what she's there for yep. is to have something for him to be taken away. And, and here we have, I finally get it. Here we have the biggest parallel to Paradise Lost. What's that? Well, Malik strived all his life to bring what he thought would give him the ultimate power, which was the devil's promise to Adam and Eve. You know, eat this fruit, take this forbidden fruit, and you will be like God. You'll be God. And they take it, and what happens? Their whole life gets ruined. They don't get the thing they wanted. Well, their, their life gets ruined literally because death then is introduced to the world. Correct. Um, yeah. Hive says, I need a Malik by my side. And again, as soon as he says that, I'm just like, well, he's not talking about Stephanie. And then he kisses See, I, her. I totally thought he was talking about Stephanie. And I'm like, oh, really? We're going here. <laughs> This is terrible. And then when she died, I was like, okay, that's much better. I wasn't happy about it. I would have been okay with it. I would have been okay if, if Malik had died, but, but they haven't been okay with him. Them having a love relationship. I mean, he's like an alien. He doesn't want a love relationship. 
That's well, like I mean, that's like Thanos know, coming but... in and kicking around Thor and taking Natalie Portman to be his woman. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Is it any weirder than Bowser being in love with Princess Peach? <laughs> no, it's not. It's weird. not weirder than that. So I mean, <laughs> we. <not. sighs> yeah. I, 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 and that might be my line to cross in fictional weirdness of, of love, but. <laughs> yeah. That's like an interesting turn. I didn't expect to go there. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so here we are and he kisses Stephanie. Stephanie gets the hive treatment and dies. Possibly she could still be alive. Aww. She could still be alive if she was an inhuman. I'm not saying she is alive. I'm just saying mm-hmm. you know, it's a possibility. And, and it, it was better than what the businessmen ended up with. At least what we saw on 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 the screen. So yes, that it was it was definitely less gory on screen. But we know that when she fills the floor, the little bugs already inside her. Yeah, yeah, sure. the rest of her. Yeah, sure, yeah. You're, you're probably right. You're probably right. Um, I'm not holding out hope. I don't really care because I don't care about her. <laughs> you know, she was never given enough to do to make us really care what she was up to. And then we find out the reason she's there is really is not to be up to anything. So yeah. other hosts might call that a little heartless, Ben. Other hosts are not here. You are the host that's here. So Evan, you are going to have to decide. Is it heartless? <sighs> or is it just that, you know, she served a story purpose? Well, I guess, guess I'm heartless too. Cause yeah, you're right. It, it was sad, but I was really happy. They didn't end up being boyfriend and girlfriend. If it was real life, it would have been really, really sad. And if they had created a character that we cared about, it would have been really sad. But as it is, it's just theoretically sad. And it motivates character and pushes Malik into whatever direction he's going to get pushed into. Um, the tag scene here, they balance the scales. You have nothing to fear. We'll be together to the end, which... That was a promise from the brothers. Yeah, and the end for Malik might come sooner rather than later. I haven't looked ahead to see how many episodes he's planned or, or supposed to be in, according to like IMDb or anything like that. But it's nice. We don't know what's going to happen to Malik. We don't know what's going to happen with Hive. We have a situation set up here where we can be reasonably sure that our team is going to be uh, rescued. By the secret warriors. But really, I mean, well, we do know that anything can one happen. Of the team members, one of the team members is going to die, according to Daisy. And did we see the vision again today? We did. Yes. It was sped up. That's right. Because that was her confession to Lincoln. Yes. Was that she has had this vision of someone dying. So I guess from that standpoint, I like where things are going. I like the setup from the beginning of this half of the season of the explosion. And now we're getting more and more information revealed to us about what that is, which you know, we, we they <laughs> they've extended the mystery nicely. Uh, they keep bringing it up and showing it to us again and again and again because it's part of her vision. That's nice. They're able to bring it up. But it's also nice that they're kind of, again, peeling away to see where are we headed with this and and not just constantly going back to it outside of the story that we're currently in that flash forward is a important part of the story that we are in 
right now, not just the end of the story that we're in right now. Right. So I, I like that they brought it into play as a vision for Daisy. I mean, it could have been anyone. So, you know, Daisy or whoever, but it's Daisy's vision. So I, and I like that they've done that. I and, like that it's, it's in space. Yeah, that's true too. Which, I mean, when you're looking for treasure planet, you have to be in space because it's another planet. It's a planet. Yeah. Yeah. Sigh. That's me <laughs> sighing. I, I said it out loud. I, I guess I could have done it. Just. <sighs> hey. Okay. It's a thing. All right. I do believe that we have a feedback. We do. Let's go to that and then let's uh, shut this thing down. Shield Field Report. Uh, the feedback is not from Daniel, and that is because uh, Daniel is – I don't even know if he's going to be able to watch this episode before the next episode uh, airs. So yeah. – I mean he's he's out there looking for the treasure. <laughs> he's behind. We're, we're just going to put it that way. He, he's behind, and it's, it's, it's life stuff that got in the way, and that's why we brought in Evan again is, is just so that we can – kind of stay on schedule and, and keep things up. And, um, you know, we've talked about joking about all the other stuff that's going on. Daredevil season two, other Netflix stuff. We have plans in motion as to how we're going to handle that. And it is going to involve, um, some differences to format and some differences to, um, some of the voices you're going to hear. They're going to be more voices. Uh, and so Evan here is, is just kind of that first, first new voice. Um, to be heard it wasn't the planned new voice this isn't the way daniel and i were planning it but um since we were already planning in that direction it was easy to to take the steps so i'm but a happy cog in the giant clock (laughs) that is welcome to level seven sure uh let's see we have feedback from agent jari i'm gonna say it that way he is okay with me saying it wrong um because i'm i'm I confidence, Ben. Uh, my confidence is he's okay with it. So uh, let's see. Subject was Agents of Shield Malik, and we get lots of actually we get a lot of emails from him that have a lot of fun uh, twists of phrase and ideas, and they're fairly lengthy, which is why we haven't read too many of them. Um, but this one I did want to read. So he says, from my memory tube, some quotes from the man himself referring to Malik. I would say that the theme of caution comes clear sooner or later. I mean, look at it. He says, Malik says, you don't know my name, but I think you've been trying to get my attention. Um, He says, sometimes you sacrifice a player to save the game. Revenge only provides a temporary pleasure. You should think on a grander scale. I have some longstanding plans that are coming to fruition. Your simple vendetta doesn't fit into them. I think it was on say, I would say there's a theme of sorts and it's this whole continuity of Hydra, which he intends more to finish then let be stopped. He wants to complete it, but it all comes from a place of caution, history and theory and memory before something made him believe that he could do this. He was just the next in line of a long chain, a golden chain. Sure. But still a chain in a way. These people do the same, whether they get sent to the other side of the portal or not, they keep it alive by keeping it both a secret and passing the story along. Their life might be nicer and longer here than there, but in both cases, they perform a similar function. 
In every generation, a Malik is born. And sure, he got the stones and the mini portal only recently, but not so long ago he, and before that they, had the actual big one. He was the one who fed Will's team to it. These functions are not separate, and uh, he's a priest, like a priest of evil. Not an evil priest, per se. I mean, the calling, sacrificial duties, the weird gizmo, a higher power, uh, almost like an anti-celibate oath for necessity and the role divided, clearly separated from the kings at first anyway. But then again, interesting times see a merging of different roles. Of course, he saw that as an opportunity. Even if his kind have more of a grasp of hive, it was his need to be special that made him cross the streams and go for the big prize now and fully. Hive has been fine and could still be waiting, but Malik had to get it done. Maybe a stronger Hydra would not even want to do it. I mean, it's insane. Better as a concept than as a development. So I'm, I'm going to cut short a little bit there. But um, this was written before the episode that we received uh, yesterday. And so some of the developments are actually feeding into what we're, what's being yeah. said here. But Some really good observations. Yeah. But this idea that, um, you know, they, they're just going along with it because that's what you do, you know, and... And he's the one who actually saw it into fruition. And now, now it's not exactly what he was in anticipating, but. No, because when you make a deal with the devil, you're going to get burned yes. every time. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the other uh, email was from Agent Carl. And his subject line was rantings. He says, another great episode of Agents, and although I missed hearing the live commentary of Dandy Daniel Butcher, I think Agent Evan did a great job filling in. Here are some thoughts on this week's show. It's a lot. Feel free to pare it down. And so this is, again, talking about the previous episode, Space Time. The training of Malik, or I guess it could be called the manipulation of Malik. Before Hive returns to Earth, Gideon Malik is the man from Hydra. He's old school, traces back generations, probably long before Red Skull made it a thing. He was, he's been raised by parents that believe in returning Hive to Earth. And then Hive comes back. Malik, six, Malik sits back and watches Hive demonstrates his powers, thinking he's still, he's still the man in control. Then Hive sits him down for a talk to see what he really wants. This was great when we see Hive showing Malik that he already has everything he desires. So why do you need the burden of controlling the world when you have $9.8 billion and can get anything you want? Malik controls the world economy, or at least has a great influence over it. He can come and go wherever he pleases. Someone in your way? Have someone kill that person. Need some intel on S.H.I.E.L.D.? Buy yourself a seat on the World Council. Is this not power? He could have done anything he wanted without Hive coming back, and Hive pretty much tells him that. Even though Malik has been indoctrinated into wanting Hive back, he really doesn't know what bringing him back means to humanity. So Hive arranges a little demonstration. He gets Malik some super-powered exoskeleton hardware and makes him use it. And Malik discovers a whole different level of power. As a super-soldier, he can take on Inhumans and not only live through the experience, but dominate. Then Malik touches Charles and sees the future and gets scared. We can only assume that Malik sees Hive in all his power and knows that even with his advanced robotics, he is nothing. Does he see Hive rising to a level of power that he couldn't even have dreamed about before? He sees what Hive is capable of and realizes he does not know power and he is scared. But whose death does he see? I'm thinking he sees several, maybe even whole scale slaughter. But I'm guessing what he really sees is Hive's death, 
Which brings me to Lash versus Hive. There is balance in the Inhuman universe. For every yin, there is a yang. For every hive, there must be a lash. For several episodes, we saw Lash running around and hunting Inhumans, those with a dark side. Maybe those that would fall prey to Hive's control? We also see that the transition to Lash is different than all the others. It is slow. Happens over time. We also see Andrew trying out the Fitzsimmons antidote, trying to stop the final transformation. We are led to believe that it doesn't work, but maybe what these drugs do is stop the teragenesis from moving forward. We know if the antidote is in your system before you are exposed, the transformation never happens. But maybe if the drug is introduced during the transformation, it stops it. So we are left with the lash that still has part of Andrew in him, a monster that can be used by S.H.I.E.L.D. to stop the ultimate inhuman enemy. Am I right in line with Evan's prediction for a battle between Lash and Hive? I just think that the little touch of Andrew that is still exists will prove uh, to be a, the little extra that leads to Lash's victory and save the world from total domination. Uh, the shot from space. Here it is again. A shield patch on the shoulder of someone in space. I think we can confirm a death since this is a vision from Charles. And I know that Marvel wants us to at least consider that it might be Daisy. But as an agent, but as Agent Jessica pointed out in her feedback, the vision doesn't necessarily mean the death of the visionary. We even know that the visionary doesn't necessarily uh, have to see the actual events. Daisy couldn't have seen Fitzsimmons holding hands since she couldn't move. But we do know that someone will die. My search continues through back episodes looking for that cross. Make mine Marvel, Agent Carl. P.S. Love the Red Skull joke, but it got me thinking. When Red Skull dies, he falls into the portal opened up by the Tesseract. Is it possible that someone in Hydra had figured out how to return Hive to Earth? He took over the body of Johann Schmidt and became Red Skull? I don't know, I don't know about that. But I'll say this. Uh, the Visionary... Uh, the Vision doesn't necessarily mean the death of the Visionary. I uh, Oh, the cross that you're looking for. I think the cross was on uh, Yo-Yo, but I but don't know. Is it the same cross? Well, we need to do a comparison, and I haven't done that. But I do know that Yo-Yo was wearing a cross, and she's the only character that I can think of that was wearing one. So, I have my prediction. Okay. Should I share it or should yeah, I? Yeah, sure. It? I'm thinking it's gonna be Mac. You We're put Mac on Death put... Watch. I'm putting Mac on Death Watch. Don't have, put Mac on Death Watch. I, I mean, I don't know if I have the authority. I'm just the guest host, but <laughs> I, I'm going to put him on there. And I'm not talking about the Mandalorian Splinter Group. I'm talking about the the list of people who might die on on our podcast here. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, I just want to say, uh, Agent Carl, you're a pretty smart man. I, I've got to say that I, I like your theories. Uh, they line up with some some other really uh, smart people uh, who have theories of their own. Um, so yeah, keep up the good work. Keep up the good work. And put Mac on Death Watch, everybody, uh, because he said he also has faith. He didn't say who in or what religion he, he's a part of, but uh, I'm, I'm assuming he was talking about Christianity as well. So he may have been wearing a cross the whole time, and we don't even know. And his death would be a lot more impactful than Yo-Yo's. So... Well, I think we're going to see Yo-Yo, uh, assuming that they're actually going in and getting all of the secret warriors. It seems like we will be. So, I'm just saying they've given Max some good character development this season. We had him cry, hold up a shot glass. So that means they're going to kill him off? Could be. 
could be. All right. Well, we need to turn this episode down for bed. Uh, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> but We need to wind down. Wind down the episode. There we go. Yeah. You turn the sheets down. Is that because you're getting in bed or is that because you're making the bed? You know, I have no idea. I rarely make my bed and I'm a, I'm a grown married man. And you don't know the proper terminology for what you do when you are making... Uh, uh, no, yeah. So what, why, actually, why did I bring you on here if you don't know proper service uh, industry uh, terminology? Well, uh, I don't know, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I feel pretty useless here. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, agents, thank you for tuning in once again. Thank you for listening through the episode, even though. One of our fearless leaders, Dandy Daniel Butcher, was unable to be here. Thank you for allowing me to fill in and be a part of it. You're welcome. I'm happy to help, happy to serve. And uh, yeah, Ben, any final words you'd like to say? Yeah, I just want everyone to know that Daniel is fine. Uh, he, he's in good health. His family is in good health. You don't have to worry about Daniel. He's fine because the truth is... Men like him don't change. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on Twitter where we're level seven pod. And remember, the seven is spelled out. Our theme music is the light fantastic by JS Earls. And you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to level seven is a proud member of the noodle mix network. Find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews and more at noodle.mx. MX. Once again, thanks for listening. And remember, welcome to Level 7. It's not just a podcast. It's a magical place. I really don't have anything to talk about in the post-credit here. Well, I'm just trying to keep my mind on that this is a Marvel podcast and I I don't need to talk about, you know, DC characters, but there's one DC character that kept coming into my mind this whole podcast, Ben. What who's that? Static Shock. <laughs> uh hopefully we got it all out though. <laughs> I don't know. I think there was some static going on in that in those closing credits there. Uh, uh yeah, so it was just kept running through my head. Virgil Hawkins with flying on the, you know, the I'm gonna have trash to, uh, can lid. I'm gonna have to check that uh end credit stuff, but I, I think we got all the other ones. Um yeah, it's the soundboard going bad, I think. So. Oh, yeah. That was I don't know if it was Hydra or if it was a Oh, it's definitely Hydra. A crossover. The question is what do they do? And I think that they have put uh small little organisms into the soundboard to make staticky noises i would put that soundboard in bleach right away <laughs> yeah okay well thanks thanks again evan talk to you later man happy help bye good night